Have you been searching for a community that gets it? Join me, your host, Monique, as we get real about the emotional, physical, mental, and spiritual effects infertility has on its victims. Let's connect and heal together. I am one in eight, too. Thank you, friends, for tuning in to Infertility and Me podcast. It's your host, Monique Farouk. I'm here today with Miss Monica Beavis, and she is a fertility specialist and coach who helps couples or women one-on-one care. She has programs that are set up specifically to your needs, whether it's the two-week wait or whether you're beginning your journey or whether you're in the middle of your journey. So thank you, Monica, so much for coming on today and speaking to us and sharing with us your wisdom and your expertise in the matters of fertility, infertility, emotional well-being. Oh, Monique, thank you so much for inviting me to your podcast. I always actually wanted to be a guest in it because you touch so many different approaches. And I think our community needs that support. I didn't have it when I started my journey. And I think that, you know, that was one of the things that inspired me to become a coach. So it's an honor for me to be here with you today. So tell us a little bit about your journey and how, how you became inspired because of your journey. Well, it's, um, it's a story like of a lifetime, but of course I make <laughs> it short. Um, you know, I come from a family, especially from my mom's side, uh, very, very fertile. Um, my grandpa and grandma from her side, they had 18 kids, nine boys, nine girls, all of them from the same mom and dad. So I have about 200 and something cousins. So they were, you know, these kind of women and men, especially women, they will get pregnant with the blow of a kiss. That's an expression we use in Colombia, Latin America. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I grew up uh, in a family of uh, my dad, my mom, mm-hmm. and we are—we were three sisters. And um, I was more focused on, you know, like my studies. I was kind of a little bit nerdy and a weird mm-hmm. child. <laughs> yes. But as I grew, you know, and, and you learn from the world and history and news and all of that, even though it was not as exposed as now, I was not into, you know, getting married or have kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was never into my thoughts. I finished my career and all of that. And then, you know, a few years later, I met my husband through Match.com. I was 29. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we fell in love. He was here in the States. I was in Colombia. We talked over the phone, you know, for a few months, came to Colombia, meet me, and eventually we got married. I came here to live to live in the States. And he had a, a daughter from a previous marriage. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, she used to come and visit us. And then, you know, I start to kind of feel that I, I want my own child. Mm-hmm. It was very hard for me to see her going back to her mom. And, you know, we start to get kind of close. She was still little. So it was easier. And I said to myself, you know, we, I want a child. And he also want more children. So we start to try. And um, after like six months, nothing was happening. And I started to think maybe there's something wrong with me because he already has a child. Okay. I, went to the, I went to the doctor. He told me, listen, it's, it's normal. Some people get stressed and we always tell them to try at least for the first year. And if something doesn't happen for the first year, you know, you come back. Uh, we continued trying and nothing happened. Went back. He put me on Clomid. Nothing happened after six months. So eventually he said, you know, yes, let's go to do tests. We went to do all the tests. My periods were always very heavy, but I never knew that that could be something that can affect our, my fertility. Okay. So eventually after all the blood tests, everything came okay. And he said, so we need to do a last test to see if maybe you have any of your tubes blocked. And we did an H, uh, Mm -hmm. and 
that was the problem. I had my both tubes blocked. Uh, they did a laparoscopy, but it didn't work. You know, didn't open not even one of the two. So he said, we only have an option, which is IVF. It was okay. traumatic. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to lie to you. It was traumatic. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know, you know, nothing. We didn't know nothing with my husband, but I had the support of him. And we did our first IVF. It's now my almost 15-year-old daughter, Elia. But we, as, we, as we didn't know too, we also didn't know that we could froze embryos or we could, you know, nothing of that. And the doctors no. in the clinic, they didn't tell us to, we didn't ask to. So we said, you know what, when Elia, when after our first IVF baby girl, uh -huh. we said, you know, if we want another child for her, we go to another IVF and you know what, it's going gonna, it's gonna to work because the first time worked. So like we took it for granted. Uh, we went, but this is when the journey started. So my second cycle was canceled because unfortunately they switched the charts with another patient. They gave me the oh wrong, my gosh. yes, yes. They gave me the wrong dosage. Uh, my ovaries became balloony, OHSS. So they had to cancel it. It was a little bit upsetting, but the doctor and the clinic were very responsible. And they say, they're going to wait for me to my body to clean my ovaries to go down a little and they're gonna give us the cycle at no charge and the medicines until the point that I use all back we did that so we jumped into our third cycle about four months I would say four or five months after mm -hmm. and it you know I became pregnant we even did kind of a genetic testing to find out a boy and girl, because mm -hmm. we wanted to try for a boy, came five embryos, three were very strong male embryos and two girls. One of the girls has chromosomic issue. So they discharged the embryo and we went to the transfer and they said, okay, so transfer the boys. We want a boy. So my husband says, no, transfer all the boys and the girl. Mm -hmm. and, our, <laughs> and the doctor says, oh, don't worry, the girl, I don't think she's going to catch. She's a little behind. It's an embryo that is developing very slow. Okay. All of them were blastocysts. Eventually, Monique, the girl was the one that kicked the butt of the three little ah. guys. <laughs> and I got pregnant. Everything was okay. I was 37. We did the amniocentesis, all the, all the tests. But unfortunately, at 39 weeks, due to a blood clot in the umbilical cord, I had a, my baby girl, Isabel, that's supposed to be her name, a stillbirth. So that was like, that was terrible, you know. I can only imagine. Mm. Yes. So still bad. I wanted, you know, not to feel that emotional pain. My relationship with my husband became a little bit difficult because this can affect so much, not only mm -hmm. our within, but everything that's around us. So it was uh, tragic. So I was very stubborn. I said, I want, I want that, that space, to, you know, I want that emptiness to be, to be filled. My body was prepared. You know, I had to rub my breast to dry the milk, everything. So I jumped basically two months later to another IVF with a different doctor. The doctor warned me, don't do it. You need to battle to the rest. You need emotionally to be better. Yeah. You need to really work on healing and grieving. I was like a donkey. I don't want that. I want my baby. We did an IVF for cycle. I got pregnant, but, you know, his advice was right. Emotionally, I was a mess. Physically, I was not prepared. So at seven weeks, I miscarried. And then from there, all, like, even, even it was even worse, you know, like, all the things came up, my relationship with my husband almost to the drain. And eventually we came together and talk and say, okay, you know, we love each other. We have built so much. We have been through so much. So let's forget about baby now. We stay with Aaliyah. We work on our relationship. And then in a year, we see what happened. We did that. We got closer. We work on a lot of things that each of us had. And then a year later, we tried. And we say, we're going to try this last time. 
is it, if it's a yes, yes, if it's a no, no. And mm -hmm. we tried and I got my fifth cycle and my baby Maya that now is seven was born. And when she born is when I felt completely healed about my Isabel because I carry a lot of guilt during the time since the stillbirth until the last miscarriage. And she born and you know what, Monica, I believe and I feel so strongly that it's the same soul but in a different body. I felt so mm. forgiven and healing. Doesn't mean I don't forget about my, you know, I forget about my Isabel. She's of there, course, of course. but it's different. And all of this together, especially my last cycle, is what inspired me to, to help others. I say, you know, I never had support. Let me see if there is someone. And I was so surprised to think that there is a lot of us. And I'm so happy because you know, I walk this alone and I was traumatized. You know, who today there is even grief, uh, grieving specialists for women like us yeah. that go through yeah. but still burden and all of that. So yeah. that's my story, basically. Shrink it as much as I could. <laughs> wow, that, that's quite a journey. That's quite a journey, Monica. And, I, and now I can see more clearly now why you went into the field that you did with coaching and helping others cope emotionally because you've been through just about you know, every heartbreak that someone can in the midst of fertility and then losing your baby like that. So yeah, I definitely can understand even even clearer now <laughs> than when we speak previously have talked on the live event, um, why you went into the field that you did. And so when you stated that you started looking for someone to help you, um, whether it was a ther therapist or a coach to help you emotionally heal, when you began pondering on and coming up with your own game plan and business plan, did part of you feel like you needed to be a voice for Latina women everywhere because you're from Colombia, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yes. I think, you know, like uh, definitely what you just said is so right. You know, women, uh, we, we, without sound like to be so extreme, but women, we need to, to express ourselves. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes in general, not only in our fertility journey in trying to conceive even naturally, but in general in life, uh, I think that we need to set up a voice uh, of what we feel, how we feel and help each other, women helping women, you know. Uh, I'm not saying that we don't need our partner, uh, men, even if it is as a friend or husband, I don't, I don't say that, you know. For me, balance is very important, but women help me, helping women is something so so important and um, I guess that what you mentioned too is important at uh, the fact that I became a coach to of course help to heal myself you know mm -hmm. coaching is something that most of us when we do it is because we also look into within uh, our own things how we can fix them and it's kind of a self-psychology so I think that mm -hmm. that inspiration of me becoming a coach it was also somehow a help to heal myself and don't get me wrong I am as a coach I also need a coach sometimes I'm like oh my gosh I need someone to help me to focus to give me some advice to you know independently from being a fertility coach mm -hmm. like having someone like you that I can talk about okay this is what is happening in my life how you can help me to focus or to do this we all need some kind of coaching in life yeah, I think you bring up a really good point too. A minute ago, when you were speaking about women having the need to express themselves with other women, and mm -hmm. not that we're pushing aside our partners if they're males, but it's I think it's something special that women have where they connect with each other in a sisterhood 
And mm-hmm. also because we are all, no matter what happens along our journeys, we, we, we are womb carriers and we are vessels of new life and new beginnings and just whatever we wish to, to birth through our own pain and suffering. And so again, like Monica said, you know, it's not to uh, push aside our male companions and life partners and husbands and such like that, but it's just, it's, the bond that women have when they come together um, in unconditional love is truly something remarkable. And so we feel more safe with other women. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Another thing that I forgot to mention, if I may, I, my journey also inspired me to write the book. I wrote the book, the IVF planner, Mm -hmm. because one of the things that in vitro fertilization cycles bring is so much, you know, medical tests, blood work, injections, dosage. And, you know, of course, the, cl- the clinic work in a very organized way because they have a team or certain people for each uh, patient. But we as patients, oh my gosh, I used to write my little numbers in papers, get it lost, waiting for the call, uh, asking what number is this, how, how much number I need for knowing if this is good, if the follicle is growing, all of that. So I create a planner for that, you know, so it's like, is half of my story, my suggestions, but it's more like a journal to keep up our tra- records, to write our own story and have uh, even coloring uh, pages for the two-week wait. So I wanted to share that too. Yeah, I'm so glad you mentioned it because that reminds me um, since we will be doing another IVF cycle in the spring or early winter of 2021, I was looking online for some type of IVF journal specifically so I, 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 you just reminded me, I'm so glad you mentioned it. You just reminded me that you created one. So I have to get one of yours. <laughs> I'll, I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you as, as a gift. So count on that. I will, you know, and in the end, you can just uh, give me your uh, address and everything, Monique, because it's so, like I mentioned, women helping women and coaches here helping also coaches to make our community stronger. So I'll give you one. That's my oh, thank you so much, Monica. Mm-hmm. I appreciate you. And I'm going to make sure that Monica's website and where you can get your IVF planner is in the show notes and that you can get it for yourself too, because I think it's important that we document. I didn't realize until unfortunately after having Omar, how important it was to document the journey and just going back and looking and seeing how far you've come emotionally. Did you feel, did you document when you were going through it? Uh, yes, I was, but I didn't have a planner, but I used to write a lot, you know, like in a little journal. Mm-hmm. And I go sometimes when, for example, I when I had the stillbirth, I wanted to do it like a big, in my head will run the story, how I will write it and everything. But I couldn't, probably because of the blockage of emotions. So it's few like re- uh, um, letters that I wrote and all of that. But then I put that together and uh, that's going to be a book. My stillbirth mm-hmm. story is going to be a book only about that. But it's so important. Yes, it's, it's, it's good to document. You know why, Monique? Because also IBF cycles and even trying to conceive naturally is mm-hmm. not granted 100%. Yeah. The possibilities are exactly the same. Even when you are trying to conceive naturally or with medical uh, assistance, is the same. It's about 25%. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then when you go through IBF, the fact that you uh, journal and document your cycle, it helps you in two ways. One, if you have a big fat positive to continue, you know, your journaling to, to helping, you know, your pregnancy and 
hopefully a live birth. And the other side is if you get a negative, then you have a protocol from before to mm-hmm. see what kind of changes you can help to uh, do for the next one. Because I tell you something, one thing I have learned, yes, clinics and doctors are big help, but we also need to express our thoughts during a cycle. Yeah. You, yeah. you know, I don't know if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, it's just so funny because, like, I remember growing up journaling and my mom giving me a composition book and it was the first time and it, the need to journal over the years and, and stuff. It was so funny because when I was in the midst of infertility, I didn't journal as much as I would outside of it or after it. It was so crazy. It's like I felt the same way you did. Like, I had so many blockages. It was so hard to, hard to even put it on paper. But with time and maturity, I know now that it's so important. And I think you guys, if you're not journaling your your journey right now, no matter what path you're taking to get there, then you're doing a disservice to yourself emotionally because there's things that will arise during the journey. And it's therapeutic. When you can't get to your coach or your therapist, when you can't get you to a coach like Monica, you know, you need some 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 form of outlet that's private between you and the gods, you know. Do you encourage, I'm pretty sure you do, but do you encourage a lot of your clients? if they haven't been documenting to begin documenting while they're under your care? Yes, that's one of the first things, you know, because my my approach is uh, to the emotional side of it because I've been in that mess. So one of the first things you just guess it like, right, Monique, is journaling your, your journey. You know, that's what it is, a journey and you need to journal. Another thing that I uh, recommend a lot, and you just say the magic word, is therapy. What kind of therapy? Like, okay, having a coach like me. But along with that, I always recommend art therapy. For example, for me, coloring was a wonderful thing. Coloring is such a... Um, a way to let out even um, negative feelings because through coloring you are expressing and you can see through the colors once you finish how your feelings could be. The other thing that I also recommend is if a person has negative feelings, you know, it's so hard for us going through IVF and it happens. It's like, it's written like, mm-hmm. like a prophecy, you know. Yeah. We are going through IVF and then suddenly Everyone close to us, uh, a friend, a sister, a cousin, oh, I'm pregnant and I didn't was expecting. And you are like, what? And look what I'm going through, you know, like, you are like right, right, yeah. That give us so much um, uh, feelings that they are, they are, they are right to feel. So when I uh, talk with clients, I tell them, whatever you feel, especially when you are anxious, emotionally upset, angry, because suddenly you run into a supermarket with your best friend and she's pregnant and she's telling you like nothing happened because, not because she mean to be mean, but because she don't know what you are going through. Or even if she knows, she don't know how it works. So that feelings are very important to take them out, not to pile them up. You see, a lot of people tell us, okay, think positive, stop to think negative. That is not the right approach. Mm-mm. You know, you cannot tell someone that is going through hell with a treatment like you and me, you know, know how it is mm-hmm. to tell us, oh, think positive, or it's going to happen, or oh my gosh, I, I don't have kids, and it's the best. Don't, because that is going to create more uh, triggerings. So yeah. I always said, 
you want to curse, curse. You want to cry, cry. You want to write mm-hmm. them, write them. Why? Because as you take them out and you let feel your feelings, in other words, once you are feeling them, you are letting them out. And then you are opening a space for that positivity that some others that don't know how it works, you know, you can put in. Yeah. Yeah, that's so important. I'm so glad you reminded us too of those things. I think sometimes we forget about the simple things we can do at home, um, apart from being able to do our virtual therapies and, and sessions and things. So yeah, I totally agree. What are some things, because I want to get into the two-week wait, and you have a program specifically just for that. Mm, yes. So that's like, to me, when I saw that on your website a couple months ago, I was like, you know what? This has to be one of the the second most or third most apart from, you know, miscarriages and things like that during the infertility journey and just, just the path to parenthood in general. That must be one of the second or third most important things to people for someone to create a program specifically just for that. So that, that yes. stood out to me a lot on your website a couple months ago when I first saw it. And so when you get people that come in for the two-week wait, do you normally have a lot of people come to you after they've experienced it the first time and didn't necessarily do it in a way that they wanted to as far as using the correct coping mechanisms and ways to heal during a two-week wait and just, I guess, almost kind of like relishing in that moment of the possibility of being pregnant? Uh, Well, yes, you know, I do that, like you mentioned, the two-week wait program is um, like a one-on-one coaching program. So when I have uh, clients, I always put a little bit of a limit. So I will handle about five to Mm -hmm. six, uh, either women or couple, you know, because sometimes you know that today women want to have babies and sometimes they don't they don't have a partner they just want to be mothers yeah so because I want to dedicate my one-on-one to these six people it's not group coaching I will have one-on-one but according to my schedule I will take between five to six uh, individuals uh, and the individual is like I mentioned either a woman or either a couple because the two-week wait when you have a partner is both of you um, mm-hmm. and like some of them uh, could be people that is coming from first time means they are during their first cycle and if it is a first cycle for them so what we do is um, we have two coaching calls of uh, one hour between one hour to two hours I don't like to put you know too much the limit of one hour exactly because each story and each person is completely different from the other one even though they are walking the the path of IVF and they are during the two-week wait so we have like this discovery call Uh, I let them choose if they want video face-to-face or if they want like you you know like just um, uh, audio Uh, I will uh, give them uh, it's it's funny but one of the things that I give during my two-week wait is a coloring journal for exactly 14 pages for each day so it has like a coloring fertility mandala along with um journaling pages in which uh, the homework the assignment is mm-hmm. you need to write every day what you feel and how you feel good bad negative you want even to like i said to curse in your in, in your things you can uh, do it um i also uh, create like a little program like a little nutritional program for that two-week wait uh according of course to what is healthy on uh, becoming pregnant on our fertility i make them 
basically, not believe, but I make them put in their hair the following, Monica. And, you know, sometimes people could say, okay, I don't like that approach, but that's my approach. That's why I also always do a, a discovery call before yeah. we start. So we can see with, and is this, you are pregnant because we are pregnant. Once they transfer an embryo inside our womb, we are, because it's exactly the same way that we are getting pregnant in natural way. We, You're so right. You're so, we are. So right. I never even thought about that like that, but I guess that's why we use the word pupo in P-U-P-O, pregnant yes. until otherwise, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. Oh, that's so enlightening. I forgot all about that aspect in what you're looking Absolutely, Monique. Absolutely. Because we are pregnant now. The same like in, in, in uh, natural, you know how many uh, mm-hmm. natural pregnancies also end up in miscarriage? If you right. go and check, they are almost the same kind of percentage of uh, assisted reproductive uh, um, medical, you know, assisted reproductive yeah. uh, system cycles, IUI, IVF. It's exactly the same. So the first thing I tell them, listen, you are into your, into your two-week wait, right? So means you got embryo transfer. One, two, three, four. Doesn't matter how many, you are pregnant. That's what you need to work on. You are pregnant. So when you uh, create a mindset of you are pregnant, you also can start to create a mindset of, okay, let me see how I can take care of myself. Like you got pregnant naturally. Mm-hmm. I need to eat a little bit healthier. I need to have a good sleep. I need to allow to feel, um, you know, with uh, depressed or sad or anxious because we are under hormones is the same. Yeah. And that's when it comes the journal, write your thoughts. And because, because the way that we are pregnant is different from the natural way in the way of we are taking, uh, you know, progesterone shots. Mm-hmm. We are uh, mm-hmm. under all of the medicine that they put before. So our body is overcharged with hormones. So our emotional state is going to be a little bit more crazy. That's how yeah. I call it. So the idea is that that's why I assigned you to uh, create uh, art therapy through the coloring of the mandalas of the PDF that I am providing you, through journaling, uh, through, you know, like um, also I I put them a big, big assignment, which is not an easy one because we are so focused on having baby. During that time, take space to be with your partner if you have a partner. Date. Don't sick. And and the other thing, you are not sick. You are pregnant, but you are not sick. Yeah. Think that you are sick. So, okay, you take care. You, you are not going to uh, lift a heavy weight. You mm-hmm. are not going to go and run crazy, but take a walk. Keep mm-hmm. active and keep your life normal like you are, you know, living it until before even you think about trying IVF or before even you know that you have to go through it. Keep it normal. For, don't forget that you have a world around you. So I always ask also in the assignments, you need to write, what you did for yourself and your partner every single day. Mm. And another thing is in the assignment, and I tell them, if you cheat, is your problem. You are the one <laughs> that carry that on your conscience. Do not test at home. Yeah. Because, because you know, we are, I understand that we are dying to know, but what happened is that the most accurate test is the blood test, the beta yes. test. So yeah. be, be able to wait. You know what? And, and learn something. I always tell them, this two-week wait teaches something to all of us. Patient. So you know what? 
check that positive side of it. I know that the weight is crazy and sometimes we feel that each day is a year. I know, <laughs> but, but we need to make our best to learn that patient. Don't test at home because Monica, I have seen cases that they test at home a little tiny, super tiny double line comb and they are, oh yes. And then they start to spot uh, and, or then they go to the beta and it's negative because yeah. something happened during the time through that you took the test through the time that you did the beta. So please don't test at home. That's a, a, a homework. And I, I don't, I can say, you know, this is your assignment, but I'm not there to check. So it's, it's your responsibility. And then by the end, ah, I recommend to do a acupuncture because I did myself, uh, you know, during that two week wait, not in the stomach, of course, that's, pre-transfer if you want to do it but then during that like you know go once or twice means once a week to your acupuncturist and you know do your your acupuncture around your head your third eye you know and relax yeah, yeah. because that is opening a space for you to help your M baby also to attach yeah. What we like you say, we are we are you know we carry in the warm life, and that life gets connected right from the moment yeah. it's conceived. So whatever we are living, we are feeling is being transmitted to our baby. Yeah, yeah. And I also recommend some books. Of course, I recommend you know like uh, I I don't know if uh, you know her, but I recommend the books of Jody Rogers. She's also an author from South Africa. I love her. And she just launched a book that it's about exactly uh, tea therapy for the two-week wait because it's so okay. on, the, on the spot. So I recommend the, the – I am working now with a lady uh, here close to my house that she's going to start, and we are working the two-week wait. She starts basically from the cycle, and next week she's going to have her transfer, and mm-hmm. I already gave her all the assignments. That book is a must because – is specifically also for the two-week wait, how to ease, how to do therapy, meditations, all of that. And I, of course, provide my meditations, my own handbooks, and I have open email contact unlimited every day. And I give also my phone number to my clients so they can text me anytime. So there is no limited, you know, I don't have, it's all in the package and that is there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you, Monica, for giving us some of your time today. And and because I know that there's a lot of people in the community right now that have returned to their clinics and are looking for answers for the two-week wait, you know, and mm-hmm. I think all sometimes that we need is a reminder and a push. And so I think you've done a very good job of that today. We're <laughs> <laughs> reminding us of very simple, practical ways that we can do it at home, apart from any therapy or coaching that we are receiving and I think that it's going to be um, very impactful for someone or for some people, be, and including myself, because um, it's been four years since I've been in treatment. So there's some, some great things that you have said today that I've made notes of for myself, too. And so I appreciate you so much, Monica. We'll have to do it again, too, and, and get you back on the show and talk about a different topic. <laughs> yes, absolutely. You know, like uh, any any time you want, we can go. Because, you know, besides having the two-week wait package, I have uh, another one that you get pregnant if you want to continue the whole way until the end of the pregnancy and then uh, live, you know, after birth. Because one of the things that I also touch, and as a hint, I tell you is, 
uh, what to do and how to approach your IDF child. My two girls know how they came to this mm-hmm. world. Mm-hmm. And I know that that could be a taboo or a difficult uh, thing for, for parents that they are IVF parents. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely important too. Yeah, we'll have to definitely get you back on and speak about that for those who may be pregnant or um, become pregnant in the coming months. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, I've, I've thought about that, you know, recently myself and, and um, possibly telling Omar one day when he's old enough to truly understand, you know, so yeah, yes. that's, that's definitely, definitely important to be honest and open with that kind of conversation. Um, mm-hmm. Thank you so much again, dear, for coming on to the podcast. I appreciate you. And thank you, friends, for listening today.